Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Corporate Communications at Stiefel, joined as always by Brian Gardner, our Chief Washington Policy Strategist. Hey, Brian. Neil, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with you as well. Good start to the baseball season for the locals. Absolutely. Yep. For New Yorkers, uh, it is terrific. Uh, Both teams in first place, both teams first to 20 wins in their respective leagues. Uh, Baseball's in a good place. It's kind of tempting to kind of call the season now and start the World Series in May. I can think of about 30 other teams that should probably just pack it in right now. Yes, I, I know a lot of other Mets fans are saying many Mets championships have been won in April and May. Not so uh, much in October. No, well, you know, as as a uh, as a Yankee fan, uh, I, I like to remind a lot of teams, uh, fans of teams, that uh, that championships are not won in May. So, despite the the great starts and the uh, the optimism, um, a lot of a lot of work to be done. True. Well, speaking of a lot of work that needs to be done, you know. Brian, Russia has obviously grabbed a lot of the headlines of late. The U.S. has heavily sanctioned Russia for its aggression in Ukraine. But there's also some activity brewing now in Washington as it relates to China. Um, I think it's been a while since we focused on this issue. So maybe it's a good time for you to bring us up to date. Sure. Um, So China's always been right at the surface, maybe just a little bit underneath, um, not getting as much attention as Build Back Better, the, the situation in Europe, other you know, crises that come up from time to time, but it's always there. Um, and so there, it, it's kind of percolating up a little bit right now um, in, in two ways. Um, one is, and I've gotten a, a lot of questions on this first part, are the tariffs. Um, people remember that in 2018, the Trump administration imposed a series of tariffs um, on imports from China. Now, that's done under Section uh, 301 of the Trade Act of 1974 um, uh, for legal scholars. Um, and that law actually require, uh, mandates that those tariffs expire after four years. And then it allows for a review process. And that's where we are. We're at the four-year anniversary. They are Those tariffs are due to expire per the law. So the um, the Biden administration has started the review of those tariffs. And it's kind of interesting. There are different factions within the Biden administration, different positions on the tariffs. Uh, the tariffs come under the direct purview of the U.S. trade representative. And the U.S. trade rep has um, said that she'd like to keep the tariffs in place uh, because they, they provide leverage for the U.S. in negoti- ongoing negotiations with China. There are suggestions that Treasury, less so, um, that t- tariffs raise prices, they contribute to inflation. Um, and so that, that kind of puts the president in a delicate spot um, between uh, the China hawks, um, which is a popular position in both parties. I mean, there's bipartisan support for, for ad- advancing and, and extending the tariffs, but inflation is also uh, a big, huge issue. Um, and so it, it really puts uh, the president between um, uh, two difficult decisions, two difficult options. Um, and the other is um, kind of related to that um, is a, there's a bill up on the Hill. Um, I'll just refer to it as the China competition bill. It, it has various names. Um, the House has passed a version. The Senate has passed a version. Um, 
Now, it, it kind of intertwines with the tariffs a little bit um, because there were there was a series of exclusions to the tariffs. Those have expired. And there was an effort in the Senate bill to reestablish um, those, ta- those exclusions. Um, and so last year, when the Senate considered its bill, it passed an amendment that was a broad amendment, but one of the one of the parts of that amendment would have been to reestablish the exclusions. That passed overwhelmingly, but again, it was part of a larger amendment with different parts. Um, last week, there was a vote in the Senate, kind of a procedural vote as they're getting ready to negotiate with the House, and it was specifically on the ex- tariff exclusion issue. And the vote was much closer. And so that suggests that there's there's bipartisan resistance to extending the exclusions, but that, that would also suggest that there is a lot of support for extending the tariffs generally um, as we go through uh, uh, the legislative process. Well, you know, Brian, you, you mentioned quite a bit about inflation. Clearly, that's the number one issue at home. I mean, we just got word gas prices have now hit an all-time high. This is obviously a major political liability for the president. And now he is making this clearly a priority issue, and he's kind of doing some finger pointing as well. I guess two-part question to this. One is, and we've asked this before, is there really anything left that uh, President Biden can do to bring down these prices? And second, what do you make of this kind of blame game that he appears to be shifting into? So, Neil, just for, so background of our listeners, um, you and I are talking just after President Biden had a, a news conference uh, on uh, Tuesday afternoon, That's right. uh, Tuesday morning. And um, and as you noted, he, he spent it was on inflation and uh, it was a lot of trying to deflect blame um, mm-hmm. to uh, to other parties, uh, um, blaming it on covid and uh, resulting supply chain disruptions blaming it on uh, the situation in Russia. And, and those, I, I think most people would agree that those are all contributing factors. But he um, public opinion polls suggest that he's getting a lot of the blame for this. Um, I, you know, going to the question... As of, any president would, to be honest. Uh, yes. Um, you know, uh, politicians rarely um, take responsibility uh, for any of their actions. Um, this is no different. Um, and, and it's certainly debatable. Um, uh, at least to what level um, the administration's actions have contributed to inflation. Um, That's probably a a discussion for another day, but for for the here and now, um, he's trying to deflect blame away. Um, Getting to the other part of your question, um, you know, what can the administration do? Um, In the short term, I I think they're somewhat limited. Interestingly enough, um, if if he's blaming the situation in Ukraine, then it actually raises the question whether he should be pushing for a quick resolution of the situation and not not having um, having the situation in Ukraine drag out and, uh, because because that just that just delays um, recovery. Um, uh, and I'm not suggesting that that's a, a good option or a, a desirable option, because obviously uh, you have non-economic factors um, at play in, in Ukraine. Um, so that, that, that that's a complicating factor. But, you know, if the president is going to blame 
the Russia-Ukraine situation, well, th- then it, it raises the question of whether the, U- it, it, the U.S. policy should be to end the situation as quickly as possible. Um, th- then there are um, options in energy, but those are supply-related um, and would take a long time to implement. So in the short term, I think he's limited in what he can and cannot do. Um, uh, um, you know, he's he's raising the the suggestion that you know um, a tax hike on corporations would be anti-inflationary. I, I, I have a lot of questions about that. That would be part of a some kind of form of build back better. But I you know I, I think raising taxes. I don't. I question whether that's um, whether that's disinflationary or not. Um, I think there are a lot of questions about that. Well, I mean, obviously, this will be a major campaign issue as we head into the midterm elections for congressional Senate candidates. And and speaking of the midterm elections, you know, what do you make of this bombshell leak out of the Supreme Court, which would lead us to believe that that the, that um, Roe v. Wade is is going to be overturned? Is that an issue you think Democrats can latch on to heading into the midterms? I mean, do you think that this? decision, assuming it comes down the way we think it's going to come down, do you expect that to have any kind of significant impact on um, the trajectory of these midterm races? I think it has a limited impact. Um, so we're about a week after the leak, um, which suggests that there was a draft decision that was written in February um, in the Dobbs case, um, which is a case Involving the Mississippi state abortion law, um, whether uh, whether the court that the court would overturn Roe v. Wade and throw the issue back to states, um, that they would note that they would allow be allowed to implement uh, restrictions on abortions. Um, there, there certainly is a lot of emotion on the issue, um, you know, and 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 putting such a delicate issue in terms of of um, partisan politics is difficult because it, you know, there are, there are sensitive issues at play here, but just, just looking at the politics of it, um, I'm skeptical. It's going to have, um, uh, it's going to be the kind of catalyst that changes the election outcome. Um, I think so for a couple of reasons. One, um, going back to our discussion on inflation, I think inflation in the economy or the overwhelming Mm-hmm. Um, issues in the upcoming election. Um, two, you know, public polling suggests that there is a majority of the public that's that supports retaining, keeping Roe v. Wade. However, those polls don't suggest that it's a major priority for voters. Inflation in the economy still outstrip the abortion issue, and pretty significantly so. Um, uh, interestingly enough, within the last day or so, there was a, an article in Reuters uh, with a focus group in Arizona, um, uh, a, a group of, of female voters, uh, most of them pro-choice, but uh, um, uh, you know, several of them saying, even though they're pro-choice, their vote, they are still undecided and their vote is, is probably going to come down to the state of the economy, inflation, and uh, one woman interviewed um, spoke about the homelessness issue in the Phoenix area. Um, so the, you know, 
social and, and economic issues, quality of life issues um, seem to be dominating even among a cohort of voters. And it's a small cohort. So, you know, let's keep it that in context, but a cohort of voters that you would think would be influenced um, heavily on, on the abortion issue. And the other is, um, you know, there's been a shift that was really detected in the 2020 election. It was kind of in early days, but we're seeing it play out and polling suggests that it's continuing to pick up, which is Hispanic voters moving away from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. And that voting block generally tends to be pro-life. So, if, you know, when you look at the, the situation in its totality, um, I question how big of, a, of an impact it will be. I don't think it has any impact on who wins the House. Republicans are highly likely to win the House. Maybe it impacts how many seats they pick up. Yeah, maybe it cuts it, into the numbers, you think. It, yeah, maybe it sets a cap. You know, maybe if they were going to win 40 seats, gain 40 seats, they only win 35, just as an example. The Senate um, could be different uh, because the Senate does have a role in the uh, in the confirmation process of Supreme Court justices. So it, it, it lends itself to being more of a Senate issue. Um there are a couple of states where I could see it being, uh, you know, maybe tipping the scale one way or the other in a close election in a Pennsylvania, a Nevada, a New Hampshire, a couple other states. Maybe it does play out there. And then, uh, you know, uh, the state and local level, you know, if the Supreme Court is going to kick the issue back to the states, then it really mm -hmm. becomes a state issue and, and will play out. So that's not really neither here nor there for our conversation, but it, it will become a, a state issue going forward. Yeah. Well, we certainly will be watching. Brian, um, thanks so much for your time again um, for this episode. And thanks everyone for listening. A reminder to be sure and subscribe to Potomac Perspective wherever you download your podcasts. Brian, thanks again. Great. Thank you, Neil. Let's go Yankees. Let's go Mets. And we'll see everybody next time.